بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين Alhamdulillah, we are able to start our session on Tafsir of Surah Luqman once again. And I hope that inshallah uh, we will be able to understand and implement the teachings of the Quran more and more day by day, inshallah into our lives. We already have studied up to verse 6. If you remember the verse 6 of Surah Luqman was about the people who buy the words which are not useful, not beneficial, not wise. They are idle. They are something that diverts our attention from the truth and from what is useful to something which is not useful without having knowledge. And they make mockery of divine signs or divine communications and then we talked about many hadiths uh, we didn't mention all the hadiths but we talked that there are many hadiths which have applied these words to haram music or haram singing of course First of all, it includes singing because it is about hadith, about words, but uh, there are similarities also between the music played by instruments and the singing. In both cases, if it's something which suits the sessions of uh, sinfulness and forgetfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as they call it then it must be avoided so because we already have talked about it then I want to proceed to the next verse which is very much related to the verse 6 and that is about the way the same people who show interest in lahbul hadith in idle tales or speech and they are so much interested that they are ready to buy to pay for it the same people when it comes to divine communications they show no interest at all Let's first listen to the words and translation and then inshallah we reflect on it. 
Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said when our signs or our communications recited to them Walla Mustakbiran He turns away arrogantly disdainfully as if he had not heard them at all as if there were a deafness in their ears so inform him of a painful punishment give him the glad tidings of painful punishment which I will explain why Allah says so these people naturally because of showing interest to haram to something that diverts their attention from truth to falsity from what is beneficial to what is not beneficial they lose their interest in the truth you know a very simple example for example as a student if you enjoy yourself by listening for example to music or speaking you know having conversation with your classmates in the classroom then you would not you would not show any interest to what your teacher is teaching indeed it will like be like you know something um, annoying you as a troublesome when the teacher is speaking you think that the teacher is you know disturbing you because you want to continue your useless conversation with your classmate for example or you want to listen to your uh, I don't know music or uh, song or whatever so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says such person when our ayat which is the plural form of ayah ayah means sign, means communication, means words of the Quran when our signs or communications are recited to him valla valla means he turns away why 
مستکبرن He turns away with arrogance The reason for this is that he is arrogant person He wants to be proud of himself He thinks that he knows everything He thinks that he is not in need of even the advice from God you know, This is not something strange Something uh, odd Unfortunately this is something that more or less we see there are people that they feel they don't need even the advice from God not only they don't want anyone to preach them they don't want anyone to give them advice even the people who love them they don't want to listen to their parents or they don't want to listen to their you know for example friends, colleagues, wife, husband even they don't want to listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he's giving them advice. And this is quite opposite to what a proper attitude should be. We read in hadith that even the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa used to ask Jibra'il to advise him, to preach him. Give me more give me some preaching, some advice. Although Jibra'il was not higher in position than the Prophet, but the Prophet feels he is in need of being advised. And one of the things that Mu'mineen should always help each other with is to give advice to each other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah العصر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر. Man is in loss except the people who have faith and do righteous deeds and advise each other to observe the truth. To be patient. So we are in need of advice. Even advising each other. Let alone letting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala advise us and guide us. But these people, because of their arrogance, istikbar, which was the root of shaitan's disobedience. When the Quran says, when Allah asked him to prostrate before Adam, he refused and he showed arrogance. This arrogance is very, very bad, very, very dangerous. To feel that you are better than others. There is a hadith which said, this is hadith from, I think, Imam Raza alayhi salam, which says, Man yara anna lahu ala al-akhir fadla, fahuwa min al-mustakbirin. Whoever feels that he is better than others, he is superior to others, he is from 
مستکبرین from the people who are arrogant or proud you should never think that you are better than anyone else maybe someone looks not that kind that pious that nice but this may be just the appearance maybe he's much better or maybe at the moment he has some problems but at the end he will become better there is a beautiful advice that whenever you compare yourself with someone if that person is younger than you then you should say this person has committed less sins than me if he's older than you you should say maybe this person has obeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and performed pious acts more than me and if he's the same age as you you should say I know of my sins but maybe this person has not committed sins at least as much as I have performed so there is always a way to think that someone else may be better than you but those who are arrogant those who are proud in the negative sense they immediately judge that they are better than others others should serve them others should obey them or sometimes like Pharaoh they think that others should worship them Pharaoh didn't just expect people to obey him he wanted this obedience to be absolute therefore he said I am your Lord Indeed, he said, I am your greatest Lord, I am your highest Lord. And finally, he said, even there is no other Lord, it's only me. So, arrogance would not stop at any stage. It takes us downwards. And there is no limit for that. Look at what arrogance did with Shaitan. Look at what arrogance did with Pharaoh and anyone like Pharaoh. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا تُطْلَى عَلَيْهِ آيَاتُنَا وَلَّا When our communications are recited to him, he turns away in arrogance as if he had not heard them so much lack of interest so much lack of attention is shown by them that it is as if nothing has reached them nothing has been going through their ears of course, physically, they have heard, they have not listened to so much that it seems that it's as if they have not heard it. You know, sometimes people listen something, but they don't pay attention, but there is an effect. Like, for example, you say something to someone, he or she doesn't want to answer 
but you can see by looking at the face of that person that he has heard or she has heard there is immediate change on the face but sometimes the person acts as if he or she has not absolutely heard anything and sometimes you know they just pretend but sometimes maybe because they are busy with something else they don't you know really get it it goes into their ears but it doesn't reach their brain doesn't reach their soul Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says these people when they turn away they are like the people who don't hear as if there is a kind of deafness or a kind of heaviness in their ears it seems that there is a problem in their ear of course physically everything is okay if you take that person to a doctor to examine the ears they will say no it's fine but it's not the problem with the physical ears the problem is with the ears of the heart it's as if there is some kind of heaviness in their ears, a kind of deafness. How it comes that people may hear something, may even listen to something, which is of course not in this case, but there are sometimes cases that people actually pay attention, but they don't get it. Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there are people who are summun, bukmun, umyun. They are deaf, they are dull, they are blind. Is it because these people have some problem with their health? They need some kind of treatment? in some hospital or clinics they need some kind of medicine no these people may be actually very healthy maybe these people have very good uh, power for hearing for seeing maybe they don't even need glasses no that's not the problem the problem is that there are two levels of hearing or two levels of seeing the first level is physical natural bodily and this is something that is easily achievable and more than 90% of the people have this ability to hear to watch but there is a higher level and that is the ability of the soul to understand what is heard to understand what is seen and to be able to admit and express the truth 
this is something that many people, you know, unfortunately fail to do. So sometimes the people, because of showing no interest to the truth, because of insisting on going astray, because of insisting on coming, committing wrong things, the soul becomes weaker and weaker and would not be able to function properly. So, at the beginning, I hear, for example, a good advice from the Prophet. I pay no attention, I don't practice it, Gradually, that piece of advice, even if it, even if it comes from the Prophet, becomes boring, look very much irrelevant to me, I don't find it at all useful or relevant, and gradually I would not even let them reach my heart, I just listen them, but immediately dismiss them, and therefore my heart becomes unable to listen. My eyes would not be able to see the truth. And I would not be able to speak the truth. As if there is a blockage, I cannot speak the truth. But there is no really a physical blockage, there is a spiritual blockage. One outcome of listening to haram music, to haram singing, or we can say even anything which is haram or which is useless, one effect, one outcome is that gradually you lose your interest in the truthful and useful ideas. And gradually you reach the level that you find them at all nonsense, irrelevant, absurd, and then if you reach this level that the hearts are sealed, nothing can reach the heart, not from hearing, not from seeing, then the chance of change and transformation and conversion would be near zero or zero. When Allah said, Taba'allahu ala khatamallahu ala So, when the, the eyes, the ears are sealed, when the heart is sealed, how can this person then change and become a good person? It's either impossible or it needs a big revolution inside. In any case, we have to strengthen our hearing power.
by hearing more the words of truth. This is amazing. Not only we can keep our earring power intact, we can actually strengthen. You can have sharper eyes, you can have sharper ears. You can get the points very quickly. You can appreciate beautiful words of wisdom very immediately by practicing. What type of practice? Practicing to implement what you know to be true. If three, four, five people give you some peaceful, uh, some uh, nice uh, advice, put you in the put them into practice, and then you would see it would be much easier for you to understand the next person's advice. Or if even someone makes a mistake in giving his advice, you can quickly understand. Because you are used to the fragrance of truth, you enjoy the truth, no matter where it comes. And you react to false, to bottle, no matter where it comes. You are used to truth. You are immune from bottle. Bottle would not be able to touch and affect your heart. You know, a person who has, for example, you know, never smoked. Not only he doesn't enjoy smoking, but he even reacts. And when he, for example, starts uh, even smelling a smoke, he would be hurt. He would realize and would show some reaction. He would want to leave the place. The same is with the spiritual things. You may remember sometimes, you know, I mentioned this story, some of you may have heard from me, that one of the great ulamas, who was a generation before Imam Khomeini, he was actually one of the teachers of Imam Khomeini, Mirza Jawad Agha, Malikiya Tabrizi, and alhamdulillah some of his works are translated into English like Al-Muraqabat he was with some students some talabe, some religious students and then he saw that they are just going to start ghaybah backbiting people so he stood up and left them. But before leaving them, he said, as a result of what you started to do, I am sent back to what I used to be 40 days ago. So the results of 40 days of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are lost because he understands 
He's a person who is very sensitive. He understands the difference. But maybe we listen or na'uzubillah say tens of qaybah, we backbite people and we don't feel anything. We are used to it, unfortunately. But this doesn't mean that they don't affect you. Someone who is used to eat or drink or do something which is harmful would not feel that it is bad. Even he may enjoy, but this doesn't mean that there is no harm. So, if you and me, inshallah, keep practicing what we know to be truthful, what we know to be right, what we know to be appropriate, if we listen more to the words of wisdom, first of all, the Quran, Hadith, advices of ulama, advices of pious people, then we become stronger and stronger in our understanding. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of the verse 7 of Surah Luqman says, وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِ آيَاتُنَا وَلَّا مُسْتَكْبِرًا كَأَلَّمْ يَسْمَعْهَا كَأَنَّ فِي أُذُنَيْهِ بَقْرًا فَبَشِّرُهُ بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Bishara is to give a good news to someone, glad tidings to someone. But because these people used to mock and ridicule divine communications. If you remember in the previous verse we said So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now teasing them and saying them, give them a glad tidings. What is that? And that is there would be a painful punishment for them. So it's a kind of reaction, a kind of treatment in the way that they used to enjoy in dunya. So, and this is in dunya that Allah tells his prophet, tell them that there would be a painful punishment for you. Of course, you know that divine punishment is nothing irrelevant to what people perform in dunya. Reward and punishment are very much dependent on what we do in dunya. Of course, Allah is very generous, very kind in His reward, and He is just, just in his punishment. He is not punishing us for what we do not deserve. He does not punish us for 
more than what we deserve. Indeed, he may forgive many things, but at the end there are people and there are things that cannot be forgiven. But with regard to his reward, it's absolutely generous. In any case, those who leave no option for themselves other than suffering, other than punishment, then this punishment is not something irrelevant to what they did. This punishment is a kind of manifestation of their reality in this world. That is something that we need to discuss sometime, inshallah, in future. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these people should know that what they are doing would have very bad result. And this is, you know, a very common way of stopping someone from doing bad things. Unfortunately, people sometimes don't find it a good reason to stop something when they know it is wrong. You have to give them more warning. No. For example, if you tell, for example, a lazy student that if you don't study, you would not learn, he may not stop being lazy. So you go further and you say, okay, then there is maybe a punishment for you. Maybe there will be some penalty for you. Maybe we will charge you more or maybe we dismiss you from the school. Maybe we give you more assignments. You know, there are different ways of fixing a penalty for such a person. Then there is a chance that maybe this person becomes, you know, more serious with his studies. So because you love this student who is lazy and you want him to change to better, so you fix some kind of penalties for him. Or when, for example, you say to people that, you know, if you drive very fast or carelessly, it is dangerous, some people stop, but some people don't stop. They continue driving badly, so you have to fix penalty. You say, okay, if you drive like this, you have to pay this amount of money or we will give you some points and so on and so forth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of his mercy, out of his wisdom has fixed a system of reward and punishment to encourage us more to do what we already know to be right thing and appropriate thing. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next verse refers to the opposite group. In verse 6, 7, Allah talked about a group of people who showed great interest in idle words and no interest in divine communications. Now in the verse 8 and 9, we talk about opposite group. In the verse 8, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna 
Those who have faith and do righteously, work righteous deeds, perform righteous deeds, there will be gardens of bliss for them. And this is something definite. Inna in Arabic is to emphasize on something. So you can say truly those who have faith. Not those who just claim to be faithful. Those who just utter words of for example shahadatain to say I bear witness that there is no God by Allah, the only one God, and I believe that the Prophet was his messenger. This is not Iman. This is Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Hujurat, وَقَالَتِ الْعَرَابُ آمَنَّا قُلْ لَمْ تُؤْمِنُوا وَلَكِنْ قُولُوا أَسْلَمْنَا وَلَمَّا يَدْخُلِ الْإِيمَانُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ Some of the Bedouins went to the Prophet and they said, We are Mu'min. But Allah says, tell them, you are not mu'min, you are just Muslim. Of course, Muslim has different meanings, but here Muslim doesn't mean someone who is submissive, which is very high position like Ibrahim, who was a Muslim. Muslim here is someone who declares Islam, who bears witness that God is one and the Prophet was his messenger, but not achieve taqwa and faithfulness in his heart. Allah says, Ulam tu'minu. Tell them you have not achieved faith, you have not yet believed by your heart. Aslam, now just tell we have embraced Islam. Because still faith has not penetrated into your heart, entered into your heart. So, those who are faithful, truly, genuinely, Iman has reached their heart, not just something that they utter by their tongue. And this Iman, which has reached the heart, has shaped and formed their practice. You cannot have Iman and then do bad things. You cannot have Iman and harm people. You cannot have Iman and misguide people. You cannot have Iman and waste resources. You cannot have Iman and damage others' property or reputations or misguide them. If there is faith in the heart, then as a result, good actions must come out. It's impossible to have perfume in your hand and then bad fragrance comes out of your hand. If 
ایمان is in our heart beautiful fragrance of ایمان would appear on our face on our words on our deeds even our intentions our thoughts would be shaped and formed by ایمان so these people would give safety and peace to everyone in this world a true believer is the one that everyone should feel safe with respect to him a true Muslim, a genuine Muslim, not just the one who embraced Islam by uttering the words of unity and prophethood by declaring the kalima. No, a true Muslim is the one that other Muslims feel safe from his hand and from his tongue. He's not hurting them. And it extends also to other people, even it extends to animals and plants. A mu'min would not kill an animal without reason. Yes, maybe you need to slaughter an animal so that you can benefit from the meat. Or for example, a wild animal is attacking you, you have to protect yourself, but not without reason. So. Even with respect to the animals, with respect to the, for example, plants, a Muslim has to show peace, let alone to other people, let alone to his um, friends, his family members, his neighbors. So, uh, uh, excuse me, just I need to plug in. So, every Muslim, every faithful Muslim, every genuine Muslim, in dunya is like a heaven. When you go to heaven, you feel safe. Even in the eternal heaven, you don't find the problem that happened to Adam. You know, Adam was in heaven, but that heaven was a worldly heaven. There was a bliss in that heaven. There were problems possible in that heaven. But this heaven that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is promising to the faithful people is an eternal heaven. No harm, no threat, no worry, no stress. No danger, no waste, nothing like this happens there. Why? Because a mu'min in dunya tried to have heavenly quality. He tried to feel the world with piety, with peace, with light, with wisdom, with mercy. He filled his life, his community, his town, his society with this as much as he could. So now the result is that he would have, inshallah, permission 
to go and settle in a place that is appropriate for him. Heaven is the only thing which is appropriate for such person. And the good point is that this is also going to be eternal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, خَالَدِينَ فِيهَا Let us stop here so that we can have some time for your questions. And inshallah we will continue in the next session. So, please send your questions. And inshallah as much as time permits and as much as my knowledge permits, inshallah I will try to answer to your questions. And as you know, inshallah, we will have our next session, inshallah, on Tuesday after two weeks. So every other week we have our session. Okay, I have received the questions. Yes, actually, we have many questions. Question one If a person is arrogant, how do we bring about humility? Yeah, this is very good question. And you know it needs uh, lots of explanation first of all we have to make sure that we are not arrogant you know because there is a tendency in us that when we hear about these things we quickly rush to find the problem in others so I want to discipline others who are arrogant, in my view. But first of all, let's focus on ourselves and make sure that there is no arrogance in us. This is the first point. If you are sure that you are humble, you are not arrogant, then how can you, inshallah, help others to become humble? This is the question. With respect to the people who are arrogant, we have to have very sophisticated plan. Sometimes you have to be also arrogant with them. There is hadith which says, ibada. If there is an arrogant person who wants you to be humble, Actually, he humiliates you so that you become like a servant, like a slave for him. As a mu'min, you have to be strong. You have to protect your honor and dignity. You have to refuse being his slave or servant. Here you have to show a kind of, not arrogance in the negative sense. The hadith says at-takabbur, but it, this doesn't mean negative arrogance. It means a kind of bravery, a kind of reaction to his arrogance. 
But this is not something that you can do it all the time. You have to be very wise. My understanding is this, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows better than anyone. My little humble uh, knowledge tells me that with every group of people, you have to find out the best policy. Never let arrogant people to push you, to force you in the way that they want. Be a strong, find out what is the right policy. Maybe with some person who is arrogant, if I behave in a humble way, I can change him. Maybe once, twice, three times my humbleness would not work. But if he is a person who is not that good, maybe gradually he would change. You have to show him by giving him a good example of humbleness. But there are people that if you show humbleness they take advantage and they become even worse because they are so wicked so here you have to be a bit resistant a bit harsh with them i cannot give you one advice you have to find out what works better for the particular person you are dealing with. This needs you know to know more about the people, about your context. But in many cases, when people have bad qualities and they are not really wicked people, we can give them good example by behaving properly. And inshallah they will change and they become better people. We are dealing with normal people. We are not dealing with someone like, you know, Pharaoh or Namrud or Abu Sufyan. We are dealing with normal people, most of us, in normal cases. They are people who normally want to be good, but unfortunately they are brought up with some bad qualities or they have, you know, acquired some bad qualities and it's very difficult for them to give up. So, by giving them good examples in our own practice, not only in our words, inshallah there is great chance that they may change to better. The other question is, uh, your comment on you should never think you are better than other. How do you interpret this instance? I am currently on vacation and visited a relative uh, who is sick and elderly while visiting the relative was boosting about his house that he has just remodeled his new bathroom and wanted all of us to admire it while I am thinking at the back of my mind that at this age this person is still interested in worldly decoration this person could be better than me and closer to Allah but is it bad for me to even have thoughts like that okay thank you for your question it's very good that you are so careful about your thoughts and this is what we have to be. Yes. 
In these kind of cases, you cannot stop these type of thoughts come to your mind. And they may not always be bad. But what is important is that you must not judge. When you see such case that a person who is very old, instead of working to prepare himself for his journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, still is you know showing interest in worldly things and then asking others you know to admire him you shouldn't judge that so he's a bad person maybe there are some specific reasons for this maybe uh, he is a person that for some historical reasons you know for him this was very important maybe this is something that he has promised his family uh, anyway it's not up to us to judge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the judge. What is important is that I have to be alert. I have to be careful by not being affected by this. Don't imitate this. Maybe that person has a very good reason to do so, but this doesn't mean that I should do the same. I have to check for myself. I have to see what are my priorities. This is the main thing that we need. And in the end, even if that person has done something wrong, which I don't know, but even if we suppose he has maybe done many, many other things which are much better than my performance. So I cannot say I am a better person than him because of this. The other question is, what is sinful music? Music itself is haram. Can you please explain? Yes. Music itself is not haram. There is haram music, there is halal music. There is haram singing, there is halal singing. So we cannot say every music is halal or haram. You have to identify which type of music is this. Of course, because this is a practical issue in Sharia, we have to refer to the authorities, to our marja. Many maraja they say that the criterion for being haram is to check whether it's suitable for sinful gatherings or not gatherings of negligence and being heedless if you hear to this music would you love to do haram would you love for example to dance would you love with for example namahram would you love to for example drink you know would it encourage you to do some haram or it doesn't have such effect. Uh, recently in London I gave uh, this example that for example from the other side if there is a haram gathering if there are some people in a pub and you know doing drinking mixing these kind of things when this music is played would they say that switch off this music this doesn't suit this pop you have spoiled our you know 
happy and joyful occasion or they say oh it's very good music thank you for playing this music this is what we need what would be the judgment of the people if they say oh switch off this music this is reminding us of uh, you know religion of god of you know wisdom of serious stuff then it shows that this music doesn't you know uh, sound you know to be haram the next question salam alaikum alaikum salam did you recite muharram majalis somewhere in this year also i can hear rooster is it yours it must be very early for you what time this yes uh, alhamdulillah for muharram i was in leeds in the uk and the majalis are now being uploaded yesterday i was informed that two of the majalis were uploaded uh, and uh, it's called Babul El. The center is Babul El in Leeds. So if you are interested, inshallah, you can find it uh, online. The other question is about uh, the time. Yes, here is early morning, it's the uh, time of uh, Fajr, and inshallah. Uh, it's a blessed time and inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bless our session inshallah question five we often hear good advice from lectures we agree with it but we are poor at implementing this advice why is it so what can we do about it yes this is very good question it's a very practical question you know we always want to be good alhamdulillah we are not those people that want to be bad you know and they don't feel you know anything wrong when they do something bad alhamdulillah we want to be good and there is a hadith which is very beautiful which says that whoever when he does something good he becomes happy and when he does something bad becomes sad he's a mu'min because mu'min is not necessarily infallible or uh, even necessarily a person who is uh, righteous there are many normal mu'minin but at least a mu'min this is the minimum that is expected from a Muslim from a mu'min that if he does something good he becomes happy if he does something bad he becomes sad and gradually this leads him to perform better what we need to do when we hear advice is to take it very seriously to be determined to observe it and implement it and if we see that our performance is not good to fix some kind of penalty for ourselves or some reward for example if you love something very much or if you love to go somewhere very much don't go don't do that what you like unless you do this you implement this advice or fix some punishment so for example you know someone told you something that you realize you must stop a bad practice but it's difficult for you so you have to fix a punishment for yourself so we say then next time if i do it again i have to do this for example, I have to pay this money for sadaqah, or I have to 
do lots of, for example, works at home. I have to wash all the, for example, you know, dishes and dress, you know, clothes uh, for my family, for example. Or I have to walk, for example, this distance. Something which is difficult for you, something which is not easy for you, but not impossible or very, very difficult, you know, so that you don't do it, because then it becomes, uh, you know, by itself a problem. So something which is difficult, reasonably difficult, and if it happens again, so you punish yourself by doing this again, and or you reward yourself if you actually are showing some success. So in this way we can strengthen our determination. And also we should keep talking about these things with each other, with the friends that have same understanding hopefully inside the family, if the family members have the same idea with you, otherwise with friends, because this uh, help of the community, even if it's a community of two, three, four, five people, is very much needed. This is Tawasi al haqwa Tawasi al How do we achieve Taqwa and faith in our heart? Is there a blueprint? Yes. Not it's not very difficult to understand how to achieve it, but it's very difficult to remain consistent. If you want to achieve taqwa, it's very simple. We should practice what we know. Whatever you know it is right, do it. Whatever you know it is wrong, don't do it. To be able also to understand what is right and what is wrong, you have to learn, you have to study, you have to ask. But already there are many things that everyone says it is right. Many things that everyone says it is wrong. It's not that we don't know or we are not sure. And we have to start with practicing them. And meanwhile we have to increase our understanding of the rest. It's not very difficult. On the Day of Judgment, I believe the main source of our regret is that we say, why we didn't practice what we knew? We know that, for example, deceiving people is bad. We have to be honest. We know that we should keep our promises. We know that we should be kind. We should not harm anyone. We should be helpful. We should be, for example, organized. We know all these things. But unfortunately, we don't practice them. So, the main thing that we need is to practice what we know. And inshallah, the, gradually, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would increase our understanding. Inshallah, I hope we can have more time to talk about these things. Can you explain Mu'manin? Uh, uh, yes, of course. Uh, Mu'manin have different meanings but one meaning of mu'min which I was mentioning according to the Quran is the one who has faith in his heart the one who is really faithful the, according to hadith al-iman faith is what is confirmed in the heart and by the heart what is admitted by the tongue and practiced by the organs 
So Iman manifests itself in your practice and in your words. But there are much more to be said about Iman. And there is a whole section in, for example, Al-Kafi about Iman, Kitab al-Iman of Al-Kafi. Maybe, inshallah, gradually we will have some time to talk about it. Uh, the description of heaven brings uh, sukun to the heart, tranquility to the heart. If Allah loves us so much, why doesn't He put us there in the first place? Yes. The heaven that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises us if we are good, it's a special type of heaven. It is even higher than the position of the angels. This is a heaven which comes after some efforts, after some struggle. You know, if, for example, the teacher gives you the best mark before you study, without your efforts, that mark is not really, you know, tasty. You don't appreciate it. You don't like it. You feel that, indeed, uh, this is humiliating you, that you are given something without doing anything. You know, sometimes you feel bad. You feel this is not right. You know, I should study. I should do something. The heaven that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving to the mu'mineen comes only after efforts, after being tried and tested hard. But everyone has opportunity to reach that heaven. It's not only created for some people, or it's not that, for example, it's small, so there is no capacity for everyone. Everyone is invited. Everyone is most welcome to come. There is no problem in that. But you have to qualify yourself, and then you appreciate. After so many years of struggle in dunya, after so many years of thinking, worrying, crying, asking Allah for help, sometimes failing, sometimes repenting, then when you enter heaven, that is amazing, that is beautiful. You know, like for example, when you go to Hajj, after having difficulties in going from Arafah to Mash'ar, then from Mash'ar to Mena, throwing, you know, stones, and all the things, difficulties, then Tawaf, Sai, when you finish, you feel amazing. But if it was just something easy, like, you know, a piece of cake, then you wouldn't have that feeling. You don't think that this is your achievement. The most joyful things in dunya are those things that we take them as our achievement. So, this is, inshallah, what is going to happen, inshallah, to you when you enter to heaven, inshallah. Yeah. The other question is, how did Iblis get into the heaven in the first place? Yes. As I said, that heaven was not eternal heaven. That was a worldly heaven. And Iblis, because was worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 6,000 years, so he was with the angels and he was able to be in that heaven, but that heaven was not a permanent and a fixed heaven that whoever entered would remain there forever. This That was uh, something that was temporary. Adam couldn't remain there forever, but was not guaranteed to remain there forever. 
Allah warned him, but uh, unfortunately he failed. But because that was not in this uh, dunya, in this uh, planet, then it's not committed, uh, uh, considered technically as a sin, but at least it was a mistake and something that he must have avoided. Okay, mashallah, we have many questions. Uh, uh, I hope you don't send more questions so that I can finish. We are already over. Uh, question 10. Do you believe that being religious can liberate a person from deep inside and free himself from hate, greed, and materialism, or one has to go beyond the normatism? Sure. Indeed, one of the things that Islam does is that liberates people. The Quran says that one of the things that the Prophet was doing, you know, people are chained up and, you know, fastened by superstitious ideas, by selfish ideas, by many things. And religion comes to liberate people to do what they should do. Freedom is not to do what you wish. Freedom is to be able to do what is right, what is useful for you. This is freedom. So, this is what religion gives us. And religion should free us from greed, from selfishness, from anything which is bad. And uh, if you like, I had a paper, Religion and Freedom, in Message of Thakalain, in the... I think it was summer issue, so it's online, messageofthakalin.com, so you can read that paper about freedom. The other question is, you mentioned that Prophet Ibrahim submitted to Allah, thus he was a Muslim. Therefore, could this be the case for Christian Jews? Sure. Uh, in general sense, we believe that all the Prophets were Muslim, and all were submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this has to be to the case also with every uh, true follower of prophets. Uh, Christians can be Muslims, Jews can be Muslims, and Muslims can be Muslims, but it is not guaranteed. There may be Muslims who are not Muslims in this sense. means Muslims who are not submissive to Allah. The same is with Christians and Jews. Uh, it's not a matter which can be sorted out by names. What is important is to be submissive really to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To be committed to truth, first to make efforts to find the 